host Zarya Hart reporting for duty for another episode of Culture Crush. Oh my gosh, it has been so long since I have last had a show. What has it been? Five, six months? I don't. Even, I, at this point, I don't even know. Quarantine all you know collided together. I'm pretty sure it was all one big month. But anyway, I'm back now, and this summer has been a huge moment for the Black Lives Matter movement, and I am so glad after a very long time at home, I can finally talk on this platform about the so many things I wanted to talk about all summer. For the regulars on the show, you know just how the show works, but if you're a noob, all you need to know is I'm going to give you facts and information about something that is happening in the Black community, then I'm going to switch over to answering some of your guys' questions. If you would like to submit some questions, send to my email at zshart at bsu.edu. Then again, it is zshart at bsu.edu. All right, so today I wanted to talk about something that really hits close to home for me, and that is the case of Breonna Taylor. Um, I'm sure we have all heard the stories by now, the myths, the misunderstandings, the things we still can't even understand. We've heard it all by now. Um, so if you don't know, Brianna Taylor was a black medical worker who was shot and killed by Louisville police officers in March during a botch raid on her apartment, which obviously led to the wide-scale demonstrations in the spring and summer alongside Ahmaud Arbery and, you know, the so many countless others. It was just kind of this moment where everybody was so angry at this point, we kind of all exploded. Um, so last week on Wednesday was the moment where a bit of hell broke loose, um, even more than how it had been all spring and summer. Um, things started, you know, to everybody was really just at this point irritated um, because it became word that the grand jury indicted a former Louisville police officer and no charges were announced against the two other officers who fired shots, which all meant no one was being charged for causing Miss Taylor's death. And this just really broke everyone's heart because we are all rooting and we've been waiting all this time because it happened all the way back in March. And we were kind of just waiting all summer for the results. And we were praying and hoping and whatever you, your beliefs are that at this point we would be, you know, having justice for Brianna. And then to hear last Wednesday that nothing was going to come from it, just it, it made everything kind of look like everything we have been doing all summer and spring was kind of just a waste at this point. Um, but before I move on, sorry, because I'm already getting carried away, um, let me remind you, the police work and the warrant service were sloppy all around. I'm just going to straight up tell you that right now. Um, and now Taylor is dead because of a cascade of errors and bad judgment. So this all could have been prevented. Unfortunately, it was not. And now we have a beautiful life that was taken away from us. Um, so I'm going to just say that before I move on with anything else. Here's where I go into what exactly we're going to be talking about today. Um, while continuing to mourn about the death of Miss Taylor, the comments on Twitter and other social medias in general were just truly heartbreaking. Um, they were just so just astounding. You were so shocked that people were saying these things um, that it was time to just, I wanted to have a moment in an episode where we just cleared the air, went through the facts and stuff, what is being said, what the police are saying, what the people are saying, um, and everything like that. So we can just clear the air and go through the facts and stop making up things. Um, so 
I just wanted to talk this out and correct the misinformation of circling um, Breonna Taylor's death. So today, like I said, I'm going to be whipping out some tweets for y'all and some of the comments some people have been saying. Um, so the first one is, all right, for starters, someone said, even Kenneth Walker has admitted that the police pounded on the door for 30 to 45 seconds. Therefore, by definition, this was not a no-knock raid. So from Radley Balco's Washington Post article correcting the misinformation about Breonna Taylor, Balco said, when conducting a raid, government agents must knock and announce their presence and purpose and give anyone inside the opportunity to let officers in peacefully, thus avoiding violence to their person and destruction of property. Sorry. So I'm saying this. If the police simply pounded on the door for 45 seconds and never appropriately announced themselves, that's even worse than not knocking at all. I'm just saying. Because listen, if... Somebody were to knock on my, me and my family's door and we had no idea that somebody was coming over, we're probably not going to open the door because anybody who knows us, they would have called or texted beforehand. So, of course, I'm probably not going to open the door. Thus, this was no intention of there being peace at all. So the next thing that was being said was she was on the warrant, as was her car and her apartment. All right. Now, listen, this is only partially true. Um she herself was not part of nar the narcotics investigation. Um, but we have to continue to remind ourselves that according to Miriam Valverde and Noah Y. Kim's PolitiFact article from last week, um, the police had already assumed that her ex-boyfriend was using her home um, to receive mail and keep drugs and stash money and, and the earnings from the sale of drugs. So they already had this in mind, okay? That was what was on the warrant. That is why her car and her apartment were on that warrant. But she herself was not on the warrant. The next thing was actually really shocking to me um, because this has actually been like um, the thing that has been said constantly over and over as a reminder of part of Breonna Taylor's story. But unfortunately, it's actually not true. Um, and that is she was not asleep in her bed and Breonna Taylor's boyfriend shot at a police officer first. And you know what? Those people who are saying she was not asleep are absolutely right. She wasn't. Um, in fact, she was still in her bed until she and her current boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, her banging on the door. Um, Rukamini Kalmachi's 2020 New York Times article, I'm so sorry if I butchered that name, told Walker's story um, that they both initially feared that it was Glover attempting to force his way into the apartment. Now, if you do not know who Glover is, Glover is... Um, Breonna Taylor's ex-boyfriend. Um, they had not been together for a month and Breonna Taylor and Kenneth Walker, her current boyfriend, had feared that it was Glover trying to get back into the apartment and stuff like this because for whatever reason, I'm not the sure on the like information in terms of how their relationship of Breonna and Glover were in towards the end of Brianna's life. But from my understanding and from the information I see, I can make a slight assumption, not a very detailed one, but a slight assumption that Glover and Brianna Taylor were not on the best of terms, which is why they feared that he was coming into their home. Um, Walker grabbed his legally registered gun under his name, um, and the two of them were walking toward the door when police used a battering ram to burst into the apartment. Unable to see who was breaking in, Walker fired his weapon, which struck an officer, 
Um, police returned fire, striking Taylor multiple times. So that's that story. Another thing that has been circling Twitter is that she was knee deep in a criminal drug dealing activities with her ex-boyfriend and she was under surveillance for months running drugs. Um, this is absolutely freaking false. Okay. Um, for some reason, people keep exaggerating how involved Breonna Taylor actually was. Um, does it make sense that they may think she may have had some involvement? Yes, it does. But she, at the end of the day, she, she wasn't involved. Um, yes, uh, Valverde and Kim reported that, um, a car registered in her name had stopped at a separate property under surveillance. Note that Brianna Taylor was not the one in the car. It was just her car was the one that was, that's under her name was, you know, there's that. Anyway, next we have Jamarcus Glover, which I told you guys earlier was Taylor's ex-boyfriend, who is in fact the man that the police were actually looking for, um, who may I say was not there the night of the shooting, has listed um, Brianna's apartment as his home address. So that's another thing. Um, Glover frequently traveled between her apartment and a drug house. And lastly, Glover had picked up a package at her home. And as what has been said, Taylor's family attorney confirmed that the package that Glover picked up contained clothes and shoes because he was worried that the deliveries to his house would be stolen. So there's that as well. So yes, it kind of does look like um, Brianna may have had some involvement, but at the end of the day, to this day, police still haven't found anything to involve um, her involvement in the shooting and the drugs um, and stuff like that. Um, so uh, the last big tweet that I will be talking about um, is something that has constantly been said on Twitter um, by many people, um, and that is that the officers did in fact knock and announced despite obtaining a no-knock exception on the warrant. My concern with this is there seems to be two sides to the story, like a strong two sides um, on this warrant, um, on this no-knock warrant. And we already know from the many reports that a judge signed off on a no-knock provision that allowed police to enter Taylor's home without identifying themselves as law enforcement. Um, but then Louisville police say that despite the no-knock warrant, they identified themselves before using, using a battery ram to enter Taylor's residence. But then we have neighbors and Taylor's family and defense saying that Walker and Taylor believe someone was breaking into their home, prompting Walker to fire his gun in self-defense. Um, but I, I want to talk about this knock um, and this announcement, this glorious big announcement, okay? Because um, from seeing what research I have done, there was definitely a knock, okay? There was knocking. But the question is, was the announcement clear? Um, and that's the problem right now. Um, the New York Times interviewed 12 neighbors, and they found one, just one, um, who heard an announcement. And he only heard one announcement. And he also told the paper that with all that commotion, it's entirely possible that Walker and Taylor didn't even hear the announcement. Um, so it's m most likely that with all that banging and knocking, banging, announcing, banging, announcing, they probably missed it because all they could hear was the da, 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 da. So for, in terms of what is going on now, let's talk about that, shall we? Um, 
Let us keep in mind that since the news were released last Wednesday, um, an anonymous juror filed a legal a complaint um, and urged that the Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron um, should release the transcript. And according to the New York Times, the complaint said that the jury had not been offered the option of indicting the two officers who fatally shot Taylor. So at this point, they never had the option of charging the police officers. Just saying. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know what time it is. Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. So, I know, shake it off. We can saw. I know that was a heavy topic, but now we can, you know, mellow out. So, the question of the day, or for this week, is why shouldn't people label black women as angry or aggressive? And this goes out to all my black queens out there because this is something we get quite often. All right, the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University found that because black women are, well, not because, black women are more likely to be thought of as assertive and dominant and exhibiting traits often associated with white male leaders. And just because we do have traits of being more assertive does not mean we are angry or aggressive, all right? And even if we were angry, it's probably for good reason. And if you want an example, listen to the last few minutes for Exhibit A. You know, go ahead, start all the way from the beginning. You know, all the 20 minutes that I've been talking, pretty much. So go ahead and go back if you're like, why are they angry? Anyway, I just feel like this saying is really just here and designed to discredit us and to say that we're over overreacting or being hypersensitive. And I've had several situations where m me myself, where I've been expressing my feelings about a situation passionately and people refer to me as angry. And that just ticks me off. You know what? That makes me angry. When people say I'm angry, that makes me angry. And it just sucks because I like to talk about police reform and I have adequately educated myself um, and because I've educated myself on, on it does not mean that I'm aggressive. So for all those out there looking for a synonym, try the word passionate. Say she is passionate about da-da-da. Not she's angry about da-da-da. She's being aggressive about da-da-da. We like the word passionate. Try it. <laughs> all right. This is actually all the time we have today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed and got to learn a little bit today. This is your girl Zaria Hart. Just a reminder to stay open-minded. And don't forget that we just rushed.